Hey, my friend, welcome to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. My name is Lori Seitz. I'm an entrepreneur, mentor, founder of Zen Rabbit, and your guide in moving from fine to fantastic. I love inspiring others to listen to their inner voice and encouraging them to take the steps toward fulfilling their soul. Join me here as we navigate through life transformation, moving from that place where you say everything's fine, it's just fine, but you're really feeling a deep undercurrent of suck. How do you move from there to a renewed sense of yourself? You're in the right place for stories and experiences of self-discovery and courage to help you on your journey. And you'll find each episode has an accompanying meditation. Now let's get into it. Brandographer Melissa Henry joins me today for a discussion about dragging around stories we tell ourselves and finding the self-awareness and courage to change them. We dive into not feeling enough and the difference between the stress you feel when you're doing something you love versus the stress associated with being in situations where you're not empowered. Melissa's years of being in a career that didn't particularly suit her can be traced back to her mid-teen years when she saw her parents go through bankruptcy. That situation created a foundational belief around money that drove her initial career choice. And she admits it still affects her today. She spent years talking herself out of doing what she really wanted to do in life, thinking, I just need to do X, Y, or Z before I can do that. A therapist helped her work through many of her fruitless thought patterns, but it took another 16 years of questioning her intelligence before an incident with the Hamburglar and an overwhelming desire to punch her client in the face pushed her to finally make the jump. Today, Melissa is living exactly the right life for her right now. Quick reminder, today's episode is sponsored by Zen Rabbit. If you're tired of feeling like your life is stuck at fine and you'd like to move closer to a life that lights you up and fills you with excitement, go to zenrabbit.com to learn more about the Fine to Fantastic program. It's a platform where you can tap into gratitude, connections, and courage with others who are looking for the same confidential space to blossom. Find a link in the show notes. Hello and welcome to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. My guest today is Melissa Henry, and I'm so excited to talk to her about her journey from fine to fantastic. Welcome, yes. Melissa. Hi, thanks. <laughs> Let's start with the question of what were the beliefs that were instilled in you when you were a child that may have led to your experience of fine? Hmm. That's a really good question. I always, and, and what's funny about this question is I didn't really think about it until about like a little over three years ago when I quit my job. Um, and I think where it all came from, and it was really like I, I my parents were um, entrepreneurs, 
And they, they kind of struggled a little bit. And, you know, there were various reasons why, but they ended up going through bankruptcy. And what happened there was I, you know, I was like the sixth child out of, (laughs) out of six kids. Um, And (laughs) they did not want me to know they didn't want me to learn the hard parts about life. There's always like, keep it from the baby, stuff like that. But I found out about the bankruptcy. How and, old were you when that happened? Oh, gosh. I was like mid-teens, I believe, when that okay. happened. And so I I think that really affected me. I didn't, at the time, completely understand it. But yeah. I knew enough to know it was not good and you were not supposed to talk about it, by the way. They, they did not talk about – not only did they not talk about stuff with me, but they didn't talk about stuff, you know, outside of the family. Like the, all the family things were to remain within the family. You do not discuss it, right? So I got yeah. that feeling that you don't talk about money. You don't talk about lack of it or mistakes you've made with it or any of that stuff. That – was a foundational thing for me for my entire life. <laughs> I still okay. struggle with money issues to today, you know, because of that. That, that it's shameful to talk about it or that it's it's just not, not something that you would talk about. Not the shame of it necessarily, but like the feelings of like, oh, you know, scarcity around it or, you know, controlling mm. it and all of that stuff. Cause I I I because they didn't talk about it with me. And they didn't like sit down and explain what we were going through and that everything was going to be okay. They didn't do any of that. It was very much like an ignoring thing. I started drawing my own conclusions about it. Uh And then that made me feel like, well, gosh, this is a horrible thing. And I never want that to happen to me. And so I Mm -hmm. should always be careful. And I should, you know, always try and make lots of money because you don't want to be without any money. And, you know, (laughs) these kinds of things. And it's it's just – it's just – yeah, I mean, I it's just funny because I, I did. I spent, I think that was one of those foundational things that really shaped what I did for my entire life up till this point. Were they, were they really careful about money up to that point? Well, you know, it's weird. It's like when I, when I look back, I was, so I was, as I said before, I was the last of six and I was kind of one of the oops babies because I, you know, my sister who was nearest to me was like seven years older than me. So I don't think they expected me oh, to wow, come along. Okay. When I did, they did treat me differently than the rest. And they, I think, gave me more. They mm-hmm. probably had more money there for a while, you know, up till my mid-teens or whatever, um, so that they could do that. So I think I experienced a different childhood than the rest of them did. So it wasn't, it wasn't that there was always that feeling of there's not enough. I literally think that pivotal moment was what put that in my head because I never thought about it prior to that. I always, it wasn't like I was spoiled necessarily, but like I never like wanted for anything, Mm -hmm. you know, like. Yeah, you never had to think about it. No. I I mean, I I went to, um, I went to private schools for like, you know, from like eighth grade and up. And that was my choice, not theirs, because I just didn't like, I didn't like the school I was going to. And my friend was going to this other one. Can I go to the school with my friend? (laughs) And they were like, yeah. (laughs) And I was, and so I think the rest of my family was like, wow, she gets everything she wants, you know? (laughs) Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. um, I didn't know that I was treated differently, but I think now I do, of course, in adulthood, having talked to my, my siblings about it. But so no, I don't think it's that. I just think that pivotal moment was a was a doozy, really. Yeah. And then what decisions did you make as a young adult that were driven by that experience? 
Oh, yes. All right. So I was a creative person. I loved people. There were like a lot of paths I thought I could take. And I remember thinking, oh, you know, maybe I want to be, um, uh, you know, a psychologist. And, you know, maybe I want to, I don't know, be in marketing or I don't know. Like I had a lot of things going into college that I thought I could do. And it's interesting because a couple things happen. One, this isn't really related to the bankruptcy issue or, or that moment, but I do think as a kid or as a young adult, I didn't have a lot of confidence in certain things or certain areas. Mm. And I yeah. thought to myself, I'm not a good writer. That was the story I told myself, right? So when I got into psychology, even though it was really super interesting to me, I was like, well, I can't go down that road because in order to be successful, then I'm going to have to write a lot. I'll have to like publish in journals. I'll have to do all of that stuff. And like, no, I can't do that. And so <laughs> then I, so I changed my major. And at that point, oh my I was gosh, like, well, this me- story is so similar to mine in <laughs> terms really? of Right. Yeah. And and changing my major because I didn't have the belief in myself. Somebody said something to me and I believed them more than I believed myself. So yeah, go on. (laughs) Oh my God. We got to talk about that. (laughs) Well, what happened after that was I I was like, okay, well, where can I go with this? And I thought, Mm. well, I've always loved like advertisements and how clever they can be and all that stuff. And there's a creative element to that. Right. So I was like, well, why don't I go into marketing And then I went into marketing. And again, I told myself, I don't think I'm good enough to come up with those kinds of ideas. Like I don't, I, you know, Mm. I just sort of kept talking myself out of that. And the next thing I knew, I I had a friend who was in, uh, I think I met her in a business fraternity at that point. Um, And so I, I was talking to her and she said, well, I'm an accountant. And she said, you know, why don't you try that out? And I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm pretty good at numbers. I can do that. And that's where I stayed. Because there was no writing. I didn't have to challenge myself. And guess what? Everyone needs a bean counter. So it sort of was like ding, ding, ding in the deep, dark recesses of my mind. I'm certain that that's where, you know, that happened. It was like, oh, okay, well, I can do that. Now you have control of the money. Yes. Control. (laughs) Well, right. I mean, but based on that experience of your parents' bankruptcy, Mm-hmm. where they, you've kind of probably felt like I, they don't have control or I don't have, con- there is no controlling money. Getting yeah. into accounting was like, oh, here's how I can control the money. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, wow. I, and the funny thing was, is like, I was never like a stellar student in accounting either. Like I was okay. I mean, I was like a B average, you know, but like, Cause I, cause I worked, I, I worked at it, but like, I, I wasn't the one that was going, going to all these big, big, at the time it was big six accounting firms, mm-hmm. probably dating myself when I say that, but so I was interviewing for them, but I was not good enough for that. And, you know, it was fine. I ended up finding a job because, Hey, like I said, everyone needs a bean counter. So there's always work to be found, you know? And so I think what's always kind of been funny is that I decided, okay, well, I'm the creative stuff that I do. Let's just do that on the side. That'll be enough. You know, so I, I definitely spent, you know, weekends or whatever photographing, like going, getting out there and, you know, I, I traveled a lot. So I did a lot of travel photography and things like that, but it was always, it was always just a side thing. Um, so you were still feeding your creative needs, but just I doing was. it on the side. Yes. Okay. Yes, for sure. Okay. For sure. So you didn't yeah. completely bury it. Like some of us. No, I didn't bury it. I didn't think there was a need for that. But like, I, like, I mean, I swear to God, the whole time I'm thinking there's no way you make a, make a living being a photographer. Not unless you are 
really good. Like if you're like the top level, you're like, Mm -hmm. I don't even remember at the time who was like some of those photographers you'd think of, but you'd have to be in like fashion photography or you'd have to be like the number one travel photographer to ever make any money. Or you'd have to have produced already a whole slew of like stock photography to be good, you know, to make money at that. So I just, all those stories, I kept telling myself like, you Mm -hmm. can't do that. And and yeah. at that time, the photography industry industry was so largely male. There were only like a few that would stand would stand out, like Andy Leibovitz, who really like came out of that. And right, um, right. why am I forgetting her name? Um, the one that does the flowers, the babies with the flowers. <laughs> like, oh, uh, and yeah, I know who you're talking. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and Gettys, uh-huh. yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean, so for those people, I was like, okay, well, but that's because they're like unique. There's but you right. know, there's they're, nothing like they're I can't more do special. That. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So how all these stories we tell ourselves, I swear. Hmm. Oh, it's, it's amazing how the stories that we tell ourselves and how long we believe them for how long, for how many years that we still drag these stories around. (laughs) And no, I mean, some people hold on to them for their entire lives. Yeah. You know, I think the thing is that you kind of have to have some self-awareness. You have to make yourself look at yourself. That's the only way to really get beyond that. Because if you are going to sit there and if you're going to want things to be different, the absolutely only way to do that is to look at what you've been doing and see what needs to change. But you have to be self-aware to do that. I think that's the reason why a lot of people don't. It's either they don't have, like, they don't ever think that it's possible to change and there's literally nothing they can do, or they don't want to look at themselves because that's too scary. It is scary and and it could be painful or embarrassing or just difficult yes. to look at, well, okay, this is how where I am. And these are the, I don't want to say poor choices, but it's the choices that I've made that have gotten me here. And, you know, go back to that. I think it was Oprah who said that when you know better, you do better. So yes. there's no reason to beat yourself up for past choices because you did what you thought was the best thing at the time. But when you have to start looking back at those choices that you did make that brought you to, to where you are today, sometimes that doesn't feel good. A lot of times mm-hmm. that doesn't feel good. And at the same time, like you're saying, the only way you can get to a better place moving forward is to do that. Yeah. And, you know, there's like as a sidebar to that whole idea, the other thing that can be scary, and this, and this is kind of what happens sometimes when you do that sort of inward looking and you, you know, for me, like sort of my, I had my midlife crisis early, I think. And like in my thirties, I kind of, I needed to get therapy because I was like totally just, you know, I, I, it's kind of funny. I don't know if this is really like along the topic, but what had happened at the time was I had this long-term boyfriend and on Valentine's day, I lost my job at this place I was working. It was a Fortune 500 company I was working for. They had to, and it was, it was after 9-11. And so they were like getting rid of a whole bunch of people. So I was one of that group of people that got laid off. Valentine's okay. Day, have dinner the Valentine's with this Day guy. massacre. Yeah, I know. I'm like, that's just the crappiest day for anybody. <laughs> well, I guess no, the crappiest day would be like, you know, right before Christmas or, you know, or oh, sure. something like that. Right. But anyway, but so we let go, come home thinking, oh, well, I'm at least going to have a nice dinner with my boyfriend. 
And then we end up getting into this long discussion and we end up breaking up. <laughs> it was like, oh, jeez. It was like the worst. Wow. Thing I, and I've never liked Valentine's Day to begin with. And now I had a real reason why. <laughs> really like right. It, right. So after that, I was like, I literally every day would cry for some reason or another. And then I was like, all right. Something's, something's got to give, right? So mm -hmm. that's when I, I, I found a therapist and I went to therapy for like a good year or so and just realized all the patterns I was doing and, you know, reasons for those patterns and, you know, tools I could use to, to like stop myself when I was thinking a certain way and all the stuff. And, you know, the hard part is hardest part about it was that I ended up having to rethink other relationships I was in, just with friends mm -hmm. even, Mm -hmm. And having to kind of like get rid of them. And that's what well, I mean when you say when you really are in tune with making sure that you are going in a direction that's good for you in your life. Sometimes that means letting other people go. And I think that's so, so hard. It was hard for me. So I don't I don't ever like take that lightly. But I think that could be a large reason why people wouldn't go down that path. Right. Because you do have to make sacrifices and when I use the word sacrifice, it's kind of exactly what you're saying. Like, what is it that you are willing to give up to reach that higher level? And maybe it's mm -hmm. giving up watching so much TV or it's giving up the <laughs> friends who are engaging in habits that don't serve you, it, whatever mm -hmm. it is. And it could yes. be really difficult, especially when it's friends and family that you maybe need to spend a little less time with because they hmm. don't want you to change. It right. reflects on them and yes. they don't. And then it makes them uncomfortable. And that's yes. such a good point as to why it's so important to get around people who do support where you're going and what you're doing. And oftentimes it's not a friend. You know, mm. that's why you may need a counselor or a therapist or a coach, mm -hmm. depending on what you're doing. Exactly. To help you oh, get I'm there. Oh, big, I'm a big believer in that now. I mean, I think that was actually one of those moments where I was like, I, you know, when I went to therapy, I was like, you know, having those feelings again about what would my family think? And man, mm. they would be like, don't tell anybody. And all of a sudden, here I am telling y'all, I'm like, I don't care. Cause like, it's so important. I feel like everyone should go through therapy at some point in their lives. Yeah. Yeah. There's you know? certainly no shame in it. No. If you need, if you need the help, go get it. <laughs> it's available help, out there. Get it? Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, okay. So, so you were being a CPA doing mm. your thing until Getting laid off from that job, was that your turning point? Was that? No, no, no not at all. Uh -uh. I wasn't even like, you know, here's what's funny about the whole thing. Like I think back on the whole career of being a CPA and, you know, being in that that field, there was a couple of things. One, every time I'd get into a job, I'd, at first, I, w I liked it. It was challenging. Mm -hmm. I was learning something new because I've been in a fair amount, fair, I say a fair amount, but like, let's say a little more than a handful of jobs over that mm -hmm. time frame, right? And I, I liked learning. I liked like the challenge of something new, the new environment, the new people, the new process, like a new type of company. I was never in the same kind of company. Uh, you know, I would always go to something different. So that was really fun. But what I realized after a time was I didn't like the, after I got to know what they were doing, I didn't like the routine of it. Mm. Like I was just like, okay, I've learned it. I don't need to do this anymore. You know, yeah. like, I don't know, yeah. so that, you know, I, I, it was funny because there for a while, I was like almost every four years, I would be <laughs> like, like mm, maybe I just need to go somewhere else. <laughs> and then the funny thing too, was that I also realized something really interesting. This again is a look back, right? Mm -hmm. um, 
that the people around, I was always surrounded by these really smart people. I, and I can, I can name, like I can even name them right now in my mind, you know, like they just were, they were so smart and they were so into it, like what they were doing at the, at this, you know, company. Yeah. And I was always jealous of that because I was like, I'm not that smart. And the, the truth is, yeah, I, I'm a smart person. Uh-huh. My talents do not, but but I don't want to be the smart that they are. They are the smart right. when it comes to accounting rules and regulations. And, you know, in the case of when I was working for AES, um, you know, the uh, electrical distribution and generation, and they knew all this stuff. And I was like, I'm just not interested in that. But I always right. took that to be, I'm just not smart enough. And um, now I know looking back that that's not the case. I just wasn't, that wasn't the place I was supposed to be in the first place, you know? So, right, right. Well, you supposed to be, I know. It wasn't your, right, but you weren't interested because that wasn't your, really your area of interest. That wasn't where you uh, could excel. Exactly. So I just had, that's kind of one of those things where I just kept thinking, well, if I just go to a different place, maybe I'll, mm-hmm. maybe it'll work. And I do if remember I just, just, this is, re- if I just, oh, go ahead. that term, if I just, yeah, don't you hate that? <laughs> yeah. Yes. And I, you know, I think at one point I, I realized that, and I'm not sure exactly where it happened, but I do remember I was, I was at this one company, it was a television production and post-production company, and, you know, stuff was happening that I wasn't appreciative of just the way the management was, and what ended up happening was I started to look for other jobs, I still really loved photography, and I thought, well, okay, I clearly don't want to work here anymore. And, you know, maybe, uh, maybe I'll go to photography school. So, and then maybe like, maybe I can, you know, once I like learn a lot more about it, maybe then I can, you know, develop a business around it. So I did. And I went and got a certificate in professional photography and I did find another job. And, um, but the job was different. It was still, I was still doing accounting, but now I was in a sort of a consultative space rather than working directly, like rather than like producing, uh, you know, financial statements or things like that for a company, I was in consultative you know, space where I wasn't responsible for that level or, you know, I was just helping a client, like, mm-hmm. let me just k- get in here and there and help you out, you know? <laughs> and I was like, that's right. fine. And that changed too. That was, that was actually um, satisfying that need to not have to do the same thing over and over over again. So in that respect, I think that was great. But yeah, I got that certificate and then I started a business, but I still was like that excuse of, well, we still need to like, I still need to get to this level before I'm able to like really go for it. All of that, all of that photography business stuff was literally a weekends and nights never really, like there was always something that needed to happen before I could do you know, before I could quit. And I, I don't so even know what that was I was the even thing ready to that, that actually point. happened that made <laughs> you take the leap to doing photography full time. Well, here's the thing. Here's, here's what I'm going to tell you just a few of those excuses. And then I'm going to tell you what really made me okay. do that. All right. So the excuses range from at first it was, I'm not a good enough photographer yet. So I just need more clients. So, and I, and I, I really felt like I needed to be I need. I looked up to people who were in the newborn photography space. So there's mm-hmm. a, a like um, a Julia Kelleher and Anna Brandt and those people. And I would be watching what they did, and I would be like, oh yeah, like they just they know how to wrap those babies so well, and I'm just not good enough at that. And see, like when I do that wrap, it just pops out, and it's not good enough. And mm. and I just was such a perfectionist around that stuff. And what I slowly over time realized that my clients were like, this is amazing, because they're not looking at mm. the little thing that's they don't care about that, right. you know. They, they have but nothing like, to compare it to. 
No, they're like, they're yeah. looking at their beautiful baby and going, oh, I'm so in love with this photo, you know? So uh-huh. that over time, I got over that. And okay. then, then we were renovating our, our house. So I was like, well, I can't quit now. We got th- like hundreds <laughs> of thousands of dollars going into renovating our house. I mean, literally we were, yeah. we, had, we built a whole new garage. We renovated the entire basement. We made that into a rental space, all of it, you know? And I was like, yeah, yeah I'm not. I'm not, I I can't do that. And then, then it was, oh yeah, we're having a baby. (laughs) Oh no. Your own baby. Uh huh. Yes. And I'm like, I can't, you know, can't do that now. You know, it was just one thing after another. There's always, yeah, there's never the perfect time. No, there isn't. And I think the thing is, is that looking back on that stuff, no, it wouldn't have been a good time for me to quit. You know, that would just been kind of dumb. So Mm -hmm. what I did do over time was we were saving money. We were saving money. And then um, I, and and things got really like, what is the word? Very comfortable at work. (laughs) I wasn't being challenged. I could do that job in my sleep. I had awesome people working for me. Everything was fine. (laughs) Like, why do I? Yes. Why should I quit? Like, this Uh is easy money, easy money, right? Yeah. And then my boss comes to me one day and he goes, well, I'm going to promote you to um, project manager and you're going to go over there and work at that place. And don't worry, because you'll have every Friday off so you can work on your business. That's what he told me. You know, you don't have to have, it's not a full-time job. You know, it's going to be like a 30 hour, 32 hour a week thing. And I believed him and he was wrong. Mm. Mm. (laughs) And I go in there. And I got like a skeleton crew because my my company wasn't able to hire the people they needed to to fill the spots in time because we oh, a couple of things happened. Yeah, yeah, we the we got the contract late, and so mm-hmm. we only had like a month between contractors. So we had a month to learn everything from the previous contractor, and we had like no staff, and everything they did was super manual. And all of a sudden, I found myself not as the project manager; I was the project manager, the manager over one of the sections, and a doer. Mm. And it was yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> it was ridiculous. And then, of course, I had like every possible employee bad bad seed that you could have yeah. all at once. Okay. Right? Right. So that constant. could be a book in itself. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Like you wouldn't even believe the stuff that happened. <laughs> Can I say one really quick story that I thought was hilarious? This sure. one guy, um, <laughs> so I just think, oh my God, it's so ridiculous. Uh, we were there very late and we ordered dinner and we all, we ordered hamburgers and a hamburger was missing. And this one guy who was like so, I don't know, so selfish, he grabbed mm-hmm. someone else's hamburger and ate it before they could even say it. Like he, he ran away and ate it. Wow. <laughs> and then then they're going, where's my burger? And everybody's like, well, I don't know. And they're like, oh, that guy ate it. <laughs> like, wow. So it was that's like this like, kind of environment. Dog that's eat dog. crazy. Like hamburger, yeah, literally hamburger. Burger eaters. Yeah. Yes. Stealing burgers from each other. Wow. Yes. That's some kind of teamwork. Mm. Right. And so then um, the moment came where the uh, section leader of this one section that I was helping out, Mm -hmm. uh, it was probably 1030 at night, I don't know. And she came over and she was standing right behind me. And she was uh, saying, well, you said you'd have this done at this time and it's not done and we need it and I need it now. And when will you have this thing? And just literally like, like just peppering me with this stuff. And I had that moment where I, I, I don't know. My blood pressure was going crazy. Yeah. Uh, I was exhausted. 
I didn't know if I was going to like just quit right there on the spot uh-huh. or punch her in the face. I I, I literally she did not. I never punched either anyone. Either or. Either or. Yeah. Mm. Right. And I, I've never ever like punched anyone, but I literally came very close that night. And that's when her boss came down and said, okay, time to like go back to your office, talking to her. And then, mm-hmm. you know, she was just like, it's okay, Melissa, like everything's going to be okay. So that was the environment I was in. And I think I just got to that point. I was only there for six months. And yeah, that's wow. when I was but like- But it probably seemed like six years or maybe six It seemed years. so long. And I was getting home sometimes at three in the morning um, and then wow. expected to be back in the office the next morning by like 9.30 or 10. I mean, there was yeah. no- no, no rest. Sleep. Yeah. Right. It was, it was crazy. And I, and I think, uh, what had happened was I, and, um, I met someone that I know from, from school, from my daughter's school rather. And he and I walked to the Metro together that morning after one of those really late nights. Mm-hmm. And I, he looked at me, he goes, you look terrible. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. oh, thanks. thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah. And then we started talking and then he goes, you know, He's like, um, you know, you, you say you've got some money saved. He goes, you got a studio, you have a business, you have clients. Why don't you just quit? And I was like, I, it was like a moment of where I was like, okay, that's scary. But it's also at the same time felt so like a huge relief. I suddenly felt like, God, wouldn't yeah. that be wonderful? And right. then like, I like got you hadn't to, thought of that idea until somebody no. else pointed it out to you, pointed out the obvious well, yeah, I mean, because I, because I still, it's still during this whole thing, I was like, there's no way I can quit. I mean, my God, you know, like, yeah, have to bring money in. I have to, you know, I have uh-huh. to support my family. I have to, have to, have to. Yeah. So I got to work, not to the office, but at the other end of the metro where I was going. And I, I just sat down and, and yeah, I called my husband and I was like, well, hey, you know, what do you think of what, you know, our friend said? Mm-hmm. And he goes, uh, yeah, why don't you quit? I need you home. Like, you're never home. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, you, uh, you sure you're okay with that? And he's like, yeah. So that was what it took. And okay. Yeah. And I did. How I, long I, ago I, was that? Oh my gosh. That was um, January of 2018. So just so a few years, years ago. ago. Mm-hmm. And life now, would you describe <laughs> it as fantastic? <laughs> Can I describe it? Sure. Well, it, it doesn't feel as like high stress as, <laughs> as it did before. Yeah. Um, there are different stresses, right? Cause you know, being well, a business sure. owner isn't, is not, it's not like a walk in the park, but the difference is that it feels, it feels in alignment with yeah. who I am. Like it's that, literally. That is the key. Yes. Yeah. That it's not it. about not having stress and not having necessarily days that are all sunshine and roses yes. because that's not life at the same right. time. The whole, the overall experience is different because you are fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Your soul is fulfilled at mm-hmm. the core. Yeah. I mean, when I really got into it and I realized, cause I did change my niche, like right after I quit, which probably wasn't the smartest thing to do. But, um, what I realized that that moment when I did change, change it, I just, I like, I go, oh my gosh, this lights me up. Mm. I could talk about this every day. And sometimes I do. And then my husband's like, I'm tired of hearing about it. But like, (laughs) (laughs) but that's how I knew. It was like, oh, remember all those years ago when you thought those people were so smart, like, and you weren't? The thing is, they don't know jack about what you're doing, right? So, you know, I am smart. I'm just smart in this, not in that. Right. Right. And this that you're doing would not light them up. 
Not at all. They would all. feel not smart. <laughs> oh. And they wouldn't, yeah. I mean, it's that, it goes back to that whole thing of if you expect a fish to climb a tree, what, <laughs> what's that? I don't even, I totally messed that yeah. up. It was something about, no, but I, yeah, if you I can totally expect get it. a fish to ride a bicycle and you would yes. never, yeah. <laughs> Climb a tree, ride a bicycle, whatever it is. (laughs) Not do its own thing. It would, yeah. yeah. Yeah, It's about finding what what is your thing. There's still, and the funny thing is, is like, you know, just because I discovered, I had that self-discovery moment and I took action on it, there's still been a whole slew of more discovery moments since then. Sure. So it's just like- Even more, like I really do think that I've said this to other entrepreneurs, I know you and I have talked about it, but it's like being an entrepreneur is like the biggest self-discovery thing you could probably do. Yeah. You know, I can't think of it something is. else that's because you're you have you're forced to now. But not forced in a way like somebody like like that woman standing over you going, When are no. you gonna be finished? It's no. it's forced in that it's continuous growth. Yes. But it's exciting. It's yes. you want to do it because you want to get yes. to the next level and you want to be better at, this is the thing, you want to be better at it because you're excited about what you're doing, not because someone right. else and expects you and wants you to do it. That That's the key, right? It's like, if you don't have yeah. the passion for the thing that you're doing, then all the growth stuff that you need to do to get there isn't fun. So that, I think that's how you know, right? right? And yeah. I do think like, you know, yeah. people say most well, I don't know if there's people I'm sure that start a business just to make money, right? Like that's sure, sure. That's what they want to do. And and many of them are successful. I would have to wonder whether they're happy, whether right. they're Because that's a different thing. Even if you are making money, that doesn't mean you're happy and fulfilled. And the two no. are not mutually exclusive. It's not like, well, in order to be happy and fulfilled, you you have to sacrifice making money. Not saying that at all. No. It's, no, but it's like, but 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 going into it with, and I think for me, that was kind of the key thing, right? Because I was so focused on, oh, we don't have enough money, right? That scarcity mm. thing kept coming up for me all the time. Yeah. And so that's why for me, that leap was huge. Like it was. Yeah. Yeah. A leap of scary. faith and trust that you could make money doing the thing you love. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I think that. Because I, I, I think back on it and I think, you know, wow, like that, that was an amazing thing. And, you know, it was so scary and all the things. And then people have told me, and that means that you were, you know, brave. Like you know, it was a brave yes. thing to do. And I yes, thought to myself, there's... how funny, because honestly, at that time, I thought there was no other choice. Right. You see? Right. And I was like, yeah. I'm not sure if that's brave or not. And I said, yup, it's brave. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I've had that feeling where you you feel like, well, I don't see how that was brave. But you at the same time feel like I didn't have, I had to, I had to jump. Taking that leap, there is an element of bravery and courage there as well. Kudos yeah, for doing it. You know what it is? It's yeah. like standing at the edge of a cliff and you got a wolf on one side and like a deep ravine on the other, which is yeah. more, you know, yeah. I'll, I'll go ahead and jump. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. I'll just go ahead and jump yeah. and see what's going to catch yeah. me. And trust. And trust. Because mm-hmm. because really it is, it does always work out. It does. If you have it? that, it does. Even though it does. you just don't know how, but it always does. So before yeah, we it's end. Like, no, I was just going to say one last thing on that thing. It's like that, um, the, the it, this too shall pass. You know, nothing ever stays the same. And so you you know it's going to change, right? 
I mean, right. that, if you know that that's true, then you have to just lean into it. Yeah. Everything always works out in the end. And if it's not all worked out, it's not the end. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I like that. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So before we end, I got to ask you about your hype song, walk-up song. It's got all different kinds of terms to, uh, to what it's called. But the song that you listen to when you need extra energy, you want to get pumped up and get, get hyped up. Oh, yes. Okay. What so, yes, I'm glad that you told me that this would be a question because if I were just standing here, I wouldn't thought of it. So my uh, just briefly, my daughter is, uh, you know, into all kinds of different music, but she's she's got her pulse on what's, you know, new and happening all the time. And so like a couple of I guess it must have been a couple of years ago, she introduced me to Megan Trainer, And, you know, at first I was like, what, what is this stuff? And then I started listening to her and I thought, mm -hmm. man, this chick is awesome because she's just she really is. empowering. And yes. so I think the song that I would pick would be that song, Me Too. And it's yeah. like, if I were you, I'd want to be me too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the reason that I like it is not just the beat and all of the energy that you get out of it, because you do. Like, you can't not dance yes. to that song. It's just not, you it's physically you impossible. You can't sit still. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I think the other thing, too, is that she's so kind of self-deprecating. And I totally, like, she'd be somebody that I'd want to be friends with. Totally. Yeah. Like, I, I, uh -huh. I, you know, I watch her. And she I would think, be hilarious. Oh mm -hmm. She would be hilarious. And that song in particular is, I think it's meant to be somewhat, like, uh, like tongue in cheek. Yeah. Really also like, hey, you know, all of you should feel that way. Right. About you your own all life. have that. About yes. your own life. Yes. Yes. Exactly. I love that. So that's why. Good point. Yeah. Thank you. So I listened to it before I got on here today. <laughs> oh, cool. Excellent. Yes, we're gonna I put did. we're gonna put a link in the show notes to the Yay. song so people can find Yay. it and listen mm -hmm. to it. And what how can people, if they wanted to continue the conversation with you about what you did and what you're doing now, where can they where's the best place for them to find you? Oh, wow. Um, well, I guess they could just, you know, send me an email. I mean, let's do old school, right? Definitely send me an email. I don't know where would you suggest, Lori? What what would be a good place? What, what's your website? Oh, well, um, my website is melissademple.com. So that's pretty okay. easy. Okay. And there is a contact form on that. But you can also right. email me at melissa at melissademple.com. Okay, perfect. <laughs> we'll put a link yes. in the show notes for that cool. too. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today on Fine is a Four-Letter Word. You are so welcome. Thank you for having me. Wow, I'm still in disbelief about the whole who stole the hamburger story. That is crazy. If you work in an environment like that, seriously, you need to get out now. Here are a few key points for you to take away from what Melissa and I discussed in this episode. Number one, we tell ourselves all kinds of stories and rarely stop to look at whether they're true or not. When you get to the point where you want your results to be different than they are now, you can certainly change them if you're willing to do the scary thing of looking at the choices that have gotten you to this point. Number two, when you are leveling up and making those changes that are good for you, oftentimes you will have to make sacrifices, meaning you may have to let go of certain people, places, or habits. Trade in something that's familiar but not serving you well anymore for a new way. Number three, stop making excuses for yourself. Pay attention to the signs that show up along the way in your journey of life. We touched on this in Karen Cooper's episode too. When you're listening to your rational mind telling you all the logical reasons why you can't or shouldn't, 
tell it to shut up. Because when you follow your heart and start doing the thing you're really meant to in life, everything flows so much easier. Number four, sometimes it takes an outsider to point out the obvious before you see it. And number five, the quote I wasn't remembering and was so horribly butchering is, everybody is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it is stupid. The point is, everyone is brilliant. You simply need to find your thing. Thanks for being here and subscribing to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. Please share this show with a friend. If you're feeling especially generous, leave a review so other women like you can discover the show too. It's on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, and all the major podcast directories. And I'd love to hear what's happening in your world. Join me on social. On Instagram, it's zen underscore rabbit. You can find links to the other platforms at zenrabbit.com. Before you go, remember to take a moment to think about what you're grateful for today. And lastly, you can find this week's meditation queued up right after this episode. Or maybe it's just before, depending on where you're listening. Look for it. You'll find it because you always find exactly what you're looking for. Remember that. <laughs>